0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible.
1: Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the through to Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. We hear so much about which foods you should eat and which you shouldn't eat. And that being said, God had specific dietary instructions for the children of Israel. Why? Because he cared about their health. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Leviticus chapter 11 on Simply the Bible.
0: As we go through Leviticus, there are times that we wonder what these laws have to do with us. In many ways, it describes an old system of worship that has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, we learn much about the character of God and about right and wrong light and darkness, and clean and unclean. Today and tomorrow, we look at clean and unclean foods and animals. As Gentiles under the new covenant of grace, we are not under these dietary restrictions. However, God gave these instructions to Israel for at least two good reasons. First, to keep them healthy. Like it or not, what we eat does affect our health. When the Lord delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, he told them in Exodus fifteen twenty-six, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Second, God gave these instructions to Israel to keep them separate. They were to be a special people to the Lord and different from every other nation. Eating kosher would help mark that distinction. God gave dietary instructions that spared Israel from certain food transmitted diseases. They didn't have the knowledge of microorganisms that we have. Today, we know that certain foods that were prohibited to them are problematic and they can cause diseases in humans if they aren't cooked properly or Eaten at the wrong time of the year. History testifies to the wisdom of these instructions. During the time of the bubonic plague in Europe, the Jews so universally escaped the disease that people accused them of killing their Gentile neighbors by poisoning their wells and springs. We may wonder if God really cares about the foods that we eat. He certainly cared about the foods that the Israelites ate. And while we are not under the same laws of clean and unclean foods as they were, we could probably all pay a little closer attention to what we are putting into our bodies. The Apostle Paul tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Most of us understand the need to tend to our spiritual health, but do we also see the need to tend to our physical health? As I look around at Christians today, I think many of us could stand to eat less and move more. Regarding what kinds of foods we eat or don't eat, people have diverse and contradictory opinions. But here in the scripture, we have rules established by the one who made us and who made all food. Moreover, he cares about our health. Therefore, while some may want to skip this section of scripture. We will study it because all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We pick it up in Leviticus chapter 11. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves and chewing the cud, That you may eat. God draws a strict line between right and wrong, light and darkness, and clean and unclean. He wants to sharpen our ability to discern these distinctions. He wants us to love what is good and hate what is evil. But in our culture, we are seeing the line being blurred and man's sensitivity being dulled. People dwell in the gray zone of moral relativism. And many are even calling evil good and good evil. But God makes right and wrong very clear to convict us of our sins and drive us to the cross of Jesus Christ for mercy, forgiveness, and healing. Regarding edible animals, God gave a simple rule. If they had a divided hoof and chewed the cud, then they could be eaten. Only vegetable-eating animals chew the cud. This eliminated the carnivorous animals. Carnivorous animals often feed on carrion, and carrion are often sources of parasites and infectious diseases. Nevertheless, these you shall not eat among those that chew the cud or those that have cloven hooves. The camel, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. The rock hyrax, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. The hare, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. And the swine, though it divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. Their flesh you shall not eat and their carcasses you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. Now, many of these are no problem for me to avoid. I don't really care much if I ever eat a camel, a rock hyrax, or hare. Now, ham, bacon, and pork sausage are another matter. I like my sausage and eggs. And ham and pineapple on my pizza? That's not bad either. But swine is an unclean animal. They are unclean in their eating habits. Of course, we know that pork is infected with the larva of a worm called Trichinella spiralis. If you eat raw or undercooked pork, you can get trichinosis. Scientists have discovered that animals that are unclean in their feeding are more exposed to parasites, and these can pass from the meat to the human. Therefore, by prohibiting swine, God was simply keeping his people from getting sick. Verse 9. These you may eat of all that are in the water. Whatever is in the water has fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the rivers that you may eat. But all in the seas or in the rivers that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. They shall be an abomination to you. You shall not eat their flesh, but you shall regard their carcasses as an abomination Whatever in the water does not have fins or scales, that shall be an abomination to you. The rule for edible seafood was that it needed to have fins and scales. This pretty much eliminates bottom-feeding fish off the kosher menu. It also eliminates shellfish, eel, and squid, and even shrimp. We know that you can get shellfish poisoning by eating oysters, clams, scallops, or mussels especially at certain times of the year. Verse 12 is the first time we encounter the word abomination. It means detestable thing. Now, morally speaking, the things that are unclean ought to be detestable to us. They ought to turn our stomachs. If unclean things were more detestable to us, then we would be less likely to sin by partaking of them. There are certain things that ought to be an abomination to us even to turn our stomachs so that we will have nothing to do with them and keep ourselves from being defiled. And these you shall regard as an abomination among the birds and shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, the kite, and the falcon after its kind. Every raven after its kind. The ostrich, the short-eared owl, the seagull, and the hawk after its kind. The little owl, the fisher owl, and the screech owl. The white owl, the jockdaw and the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron after its kind, the hoopoe and the bat. Now, once again, these things are no problem for me to avoid. I've never craved bat stew, but they must have been tempting for some people or else God wouldn't have mentioned them. Most, if not all of these birds feed on other animals, either dead or alive. Verse 20. All flying insects that creep on all fours shall be an abomination to you. Yet these you may eat of every flying insect that creeps on all fours, those which have jointed legs above their feet with which to leap on the earth. These you may eat the locust after its kind, the destroying locust after its kind, the cricket after its kind, and the grasshopper after its kind but all other flying insects which have four feet shall be an abomination to you. I've never been tempted to eat insects. And although locusts, crickets and grasshoppers are considered clean, you'll never find me ordering them at a restaurant even if they were on the menu. But we know that John the Baptist was a kosher guy and he ate locusts and wild honey. It is interesting that I read in a recent news article that because of the growing world population and an increasing shortage of food, they are looking for alternative sources of protein. They've been experimenting with locusts and other insects to determine how much protein they yield. You may want to read the labels on your processed food carefully. It may not be long until insect protein or some other euphemism may appear as an ingredient. Now, before you get on a kosher crusade and start throwing out your bacon, be aware that in the New Testament, we are not under these dietary restrictions. Whether we follow them or not doesn't make us any more spiritual. Jesus said in Mark 7 that it isn't what goes inside a person that defiles him, but what comes out of a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. These are the things that defile a person. Mark commented that in saying this, Jesus purified all foods. In Acts 15, when the early church decided on what parts of the law should apply to the Gentiles, they determined that if believers would keep themselves from eating things offered to idols from blood, from things strangled and from sexual immorality, then they would be doing well. In fact, Peter said, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Peter viewed the Jewish dietary code as a burden too heavy to bear. Finally, the apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 4.4, for every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. That's a good one to remember if you are ever in the missionary field and they put something before you and you don't know what it is. So if you eat your ham sandwich, give God thanks for it and sanctify it through prayer. But also know that you may be healthier by eating clean foods and avoiding the unclean ones. God said these things for a reason. Above all, whatever you believe about good foods and bad foods, keep it to yourself and don't judge others. That's the way of the New Testament. So here's today's takeaways. First, we live in a world where sin abounds. We must learn to choose the good and reject the evil. Second, God gave these kosher laws to Israel to keep them healthy and to make them a distinctive people. And third, eat what you will with thanksgiving and prayer, but keep in mind that certain foods are physically healthier for you than others. I will close with 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God.
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepperidge Elementary School in Boise. Also, to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to the website at CalvaryTV.org. We'd really love to hear from you. You can also text WELCOME to 208-314-3377, that's 208-314-3377. Tomorrow we'll continue this theme as we look at unclean animals and the universal principle by which we determine what is acceptable and which is unacceptable. We hope you'll join us as we continue through Leviticus on Simply the Bible.